0: Thank you for your investment in the ministry in the Philippines. And by investing in ministry in the Philippines, um, you've actually invested in ministries in different places around the world to the people who have been saved and trained there. Open your Bibles, please, if you will, tonight to the book of 3 John. To the book of 3 John tonight. I enjoy sports I uh, as a child I really did not I wasn't really that involved or didn't really enjoy sports that much until I got in junior high school and then through high school and college and since then Uh, I have played baseball and basketball and American football is what I I like the best and played the longest and coached also Um, I look up and you're standing I didn't realize you're going to do that uh, kind of shocked me for a minute. Uh, well, let's do this then. Let's pray because we're not going to really, we're not going to read and then pray and have you sit down. We're actually going to pray and then we're actually going to read as we go through. The message is actually a little bit different than what I normally preach tonight. Uh, but I told your pastor that I think what we're going to do tonight is, I'm going to use the time for more instructional The fact is that Christians are much more effective in what they do when they know why they're doing it. They're much more effective in what they're supposed to do when they realize the biblical basis of it. And you read in the scriptures, oftentimes Paul said, I would not have you ignorant brethren. Meaning, I don't want you to be ignorant. Because Christians that are ignorant are not as effective in what they're supposed to do. So what we'll do tonight is, um, let's just pray and then I'll have you be seated. Let's do that. Father, tonight we thank you once again for the privilege we have of holding scripture in our hands, having a basis for all that we believe, all that we do. And Lord, tonight we pray that once again your Holy Spirit will help us as we study your word, guide my mind, my heart, my lips. I know we have people from many backgrounds tonight, different levels of Uh, Christian growth, different levels of knowledge in the Scriptures. So, Lord, help us to make uh, the message tonight helpful for the youngest to the oldest. And, Lord, we pray that the work of world evangelism will be strengthened, will be furthered because of what we do tonight. Father, those things we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's be seated, please, if you would. And um, in sports, in athletics... And don't be offended if I use athletics tonight because actually Apostle Paul often used athletics as an analogy when he was trying to make a point from boxing to racing to jumping, different uh, uh, sports that he used. But one thing that is very, very important in team sports, and I'll just use basketball, that's more common I think probably for most of you. I'll tell you what was funny years ago when I tried to introduce American football in the Philippines. And our students, our staff, had no idea what we were trying to do. So they're out there, everybody doing their own thing, no idea. I even took them to the TV. I tried to show them some. This is American football. To them, it's just like everybody running together. And uh, no plan, no order, just there's a ball and everybody runs together. So I gave that up after a while and went back to basketball. Uh, But in basketball, in order to be the most effective, of course, you have five five positions on the court, and depends on type of offense, type of defense you're running. But in order to be the most effective, every member must know their responsibility and execute it properly. Do you realize you can have four guys on one team that are executing exactly what they're supposed to do, but you have one guy whose head is not in the game, or he's not doing what he's supposed to do, or he gets lazy, he's not looking around, he's not aware, then everything breaks down. In order to be effective, you have got to make sure everyone understands what they're doing, why they were doing it, how to do it, and when to do it. If you will do that, that's why the Golden State Warriors have been so effective. Because they sacrifice personal for the good of the team. Now, I've told people before, summarizing my ministry in the Philippines, to be honest with you, I'm simply a coach. What does a coach do? He finds he finds players, finds their strengths, their weaknesses. He improves their weaknesses and place to their strengths and tries to put them in places so that they will be successful. You don't put a seven foot one center at point guard. He's not built for that. So you find the place for him and put him in there. My legacy as a missionary in the Philippines will not be what I have done personally. But it will be what those are doing that we have coached and trained on what they're supposed to do. Therefore, a missionary should spend the majority of his time investing it in other people. What a coach does, he coaches and then lets the players play. The coach does not get on the court, although he can get the technical for doing it. He sometimes does it. But he's supposed to be in the background, train, teach, instruct, prepare, and let them play. So that is our ministry in the Philippines. Now tonight, uh, what I would like to do is help you realize this. When you when, when you look at uh, the video that we saw tonight, and uh, normally when we talk about missions, we talk about world evangelism, the emphasis is on the missionary. The emphasis is on the work. But what is often overlooked is that the missionary does not reach the place where God has called him. He does not do what God wants him to do unless the other members of the team are taking care of their responsibility. You see, even though the NBA in in the last generation and so has gone to more of a one-on-one game, missions is not that way. And in our NBA, I don't, honestly, I don't really like the NBA right now. I haven't watched it for several seasons because I don't like the trend of where it goes into the one-on-one and the dribble drive. Uh, uh, Anyway, I don't really care for, for what they're doing now. I prefer more of a team game. Now, in order for missions to be the most effective, in order for a church to accomplish the most with their missions dollar, to accomplish the most in their missions program... They need to understand what's going on. Now, when we talk about world evangelism, there are several passages of Scripture that give us the best overall view of this. In 3 John tonight, we find one of the best Scriptures that give us the idea of the team concept of missions. And if you don't do your job and I don't do my job, then all the money God blesses us with is wasted. But I'm going to tell you, the 33 years, almost 33 years we've been in the Philippines... I have just grieved so often at how many thousands and thousands and thousands of missions money that has not been used properly. And I think about how God provides it and it's placed and it's invested and it's put here and there and it does not get what it should get for the investment. And a lot of times I think it's because people don't fully understand what we're trying to get accomplished. Now, look here in 3 John, if you will. Are you still with me? In Third John, this is what we find. We find the last remaining apostle, the elder John. The other 11 apostles are gone. Many of them, according to secular sources, outside of the scripture, many of them, it seems, they died martyrs' death, one by one by one. They all ended up as foreign missionaries, including John. But he's the last one alive. You try to establish a chronology in the New Testament. It's not an exact science because the purpose of the Bible was not exactly to give us everyone's age. But as we established a chronology, John was probably somewhere around the age of the Lord Jesus when Jesus ascended back to heaven. John is now in his 80s. He's the last remaining apostle. He's writing to a young man that was saved in his ministry, trained in his ministry... And is now a pastor himself. Some missionaries went to visit this pastor whose name was Gaius. Gaius took excellent care of these missionaries. Some of the missionaries that had come through, Gaius already knew them. Some of the missionaries, he did not know them. But he took equal care of them because of what they were doing. So John is now writing a letter to Gaius to commend him for what he's done for world evangelism. In taking care of missions and encouraging him to keep doing what he's supposed to doing. Be doing also in the letter, he's telling him, don't follow the don't follow the 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 uh, I forgot my English. What's the word? Ejemplo. Don't follow the example. Don't follow the example of another pastor that he mentions here. He says, don't follow him. And then at the end of the book, he gives the recommendation of another missionary that he doesn't know. Support him. Let's begin reading in verse one. The elder, now that's John the Apostle, referring to himself, now over 80 years old, unto the well-beloved Gaius, whom I love in the truth. Gaius had the relationship to John that most of us are more familiar with, Timothy's relationship to Paul. So Timothy was Paul's son in the faith, that was Gaius' relationship to John. Verse 2, Beloved, I wish above all things that thou mayest prosper and be in health even as thy soul prospereth. Gaius, I wish that you could physically be in as good of health as you are spiritually. Verse 3, For I rejoice greatly when the brethren came. If you have a ball pen, as we call it at home in the Philippines, circle the word brethren right in their missionaries. That's who the context talks about. The brethren came and testified of the truth that is in thee. Even as thou walkest in the truth. Verse 4. I have no no greater joy than to hear that my children walk in truth. You you, you have to experience to understand it. When a missionary sees a young man come to Christ. And then grow in the Lord. Called to preach. Trained for ministry. And then goes out and is pastoring a church. You can't understand the joy that that man feels to see his children walking in truth. And blessing of us, the three churches that we have started, all three of those men right now, the third one is is we're not yet, I have not yet stepped aside, but Lord willing I will. And all three of those churches are men that were saved in our ministry, trained in our Bible college worked on staff, and then become pastor. I have no greater joy than to hear that my children walk in truth. So John is praising Gaius because of the report he got from the other missionaries passing through. Are you still there? Now look at the next verse. Verse 5. Beloved, talking to Gaius, according to what I heard, according to the report, you are doing faithfully, thou doest faithfully... Whatsoever thou doest, to the brethren, the missionaries that you know, and to the strangers whom you do not know. Verse 6. Which, these missionaries, have borne witness of thy charity before the church, whom if thou bring forward on their journey. Now you see that expression, bring forward? That is actually a term that we, if we have time, we'll look at later. It's used several times in the New Testament. It always refers to financial, physical, material help to missionaries along the way. So what he's saying is bring them forward, meaning to help them financially, materially, physically to continue what they're doing, to continue their ministry. Now look in verse 6 again. Uh, Which have borne witness of thy charity before the church, whom if thou bring forward on their journey, help them continue what they're doing... After a godly sort. You see, you can help people with a wrong attitude. You can help people with a wrong spirit. You can actually give in an offering, but your heart is not in that offering. So what he's saying in here is, Gaius, you have, according to reports, been doing what I taught you to do, helping these missionaries, helping their work, In a godly way, not with a wrong attitude about it. And you and I both know there's times that we help people, but we didn't really want to help them. But we felt guilty or we felt pressed to do it or obligated to do it. That's not what the Lord wants from us. Now look in verse 6 again. Which have borne witness of thy charity before the church, whom if thou bring forward on their journey after a godly sort, thou shalt do well. So it's always good to help missions, verse 7, because that for his name's sake, they went forth. You know why missionaries go forth? Why it was in 1984 that we sold all that we had working on staff at a church in Oklahoma City. We didn't have much. We were both on staff, but we sold what we had. And, uh, And then we had a vehicle and we hit the road. Visiting churches for a little over a year. Explaining our ministry, uh, God's plan for us to go to the Philippines. And when we got on a plane on January 31, 1986. Knowing all the turmoil that was happening in the Philippines. Because at that time there was an ongoing election between President Fernand Marcos. That had installed himself as a dictator several years before. But he allowed an election between himself and the widow of his opposition leader that most probably he was behind the assassination of that leader. Now there is a presidential campaign going on and we knew we were flying right into that, not knowing which way it was going to go. And we also knew that we would be going to the island of Mindanao, which was the most unstable uh, island at that time. And uh, leaving behind... All that we had ever known language, family, and friends, and culture, leaving all of that behind. And when we went to the Philippines, we did not take a lot of things. A lot of missionaries ship over crates and all these things. We didn't do that. We took our luggage and we shipped over a small wooden crate, and most of it was filled with my books. We didn't know how long it was going to be. But we did not go out to promote ourselves. That's not why a missionary goes out to promote himself. Now, I'll be honest with you. Over the years, I have met missionaries and pastors both that all that sometimes have the wrong motive for what they're doing. But what... Are you still with me? But what John is saying here, Gaius, you've been doing good, according to the report. You've been doing the right thing. Because these men that have gone, at, gone out have not gone out to promote themselves. It's not for their own benefit. In our, first, or in our second year in, our, in, in the Philippines, we had a family saved. And uh, they lived, even though we were in the city, there was a part of the city, there's hills there. There's one family that lived up on top of a hill in the city... That we had to walk up a path to get to. It was also the path that they brought their carabao, which is like a water buffalo. Their cabao, they would bring it down the path to graze down at the foot of the hill. Well, you know what, cabao or carabao leave in the path as they go up and down. They leave presents. They leave markers along the way. And uh, but going up there to visit them, it was and they had no electricity. They had no running water. The guy didn't even have a job. And uh, but they. Receive Christ, they began to grow, I would follow up, go up there and visit them, I'd get up there and sit on their front porch and gain my breath for a few minutes before I could even start talking to them again. And eventually they stopped coming. And I found out why they had stopped coming because he had began to spread it around that missionary is here for my money. And I thought, brother, you ain't got no money. I'm not here for your money. But oftentimes what we hear in the Philippines is pang negocio. Which means we're there for business. Panape. Or we're there for wealth, for money. That's our purpose in being there. Now there there are some that do that. There are some charlatans in the world. But what Paul is saying, or what John is saying here is, Gaius, these missionaries that you've been supporting, you're doing it right because they're not going out for their own name's sake. They're going out for the name that should be preeminent above all others. That's what he's saying. So you're doing good. Now look in verse 7 again. Because that for his name's sake, they went forth taking nothing of the Gentiles. Gentiles means unsaved people. You see, unsaved people don't have the responsibility to support someone to come and witness to them. So therefore, when missionaries go out, we don't expect unsaved people to support them. That's normal. But we do expect there's only two types of people in the world. Remember that. Now, we arrange people horizontally. The very wealthy, the upper middle class, the middle class, lower middle class, and then uh, the poor, possibly indigents. We arrange it horizontally. The very well-educated college graduates, high school graduates, elementary age, and then illiterate. But God does not arrange it that way. God arranges the world. He views the world vertically. You are either saved by faith in Jesus Christ or not saved by faith in Jesus Christ. That's how God arranged it. So if unsaved people are not supporting missions, then by the process of elimination, who is? It's, of course, the saved people. So what John is saying here is, you've been doing well. You have been supporting missions. And now by doing that, look in verse 8. We, therefore ought to receive such. Now, the such there, that's the missionaries, so you can call us suches. We, therefore, ought to receive such. We ought to receive these people. Why? Now, notice this. This is my point. This is where we get the idea of teamwork, which I mentioned in the beginning. It says here that we might be fellow helpers to the truth. So do you realize this? The things that you saw on the video tonight and that you see on the videos of other missionaries that coming through and you've been seeing it for the years you've been supporting missionaries. Humanly speaking, none of those things happen. None of that happens. The gospel is not preached. Churches are not established. Bible training schools are not established. Pastors are not trained. Unless... You do your part, because unless you do your part, we cannot do our part, because sometimes what is overlooked is this, and I know you had your missions conference in August, and during that missions conference, most probably what was emphasized was the missionaries and the work, the missionaries and the work, and what is often overlooked is this, you are vitally important to the work of world missions. You are vitally important to the work of world missions. If all five team players in basketball do not take care of the responsibilities, you're not going to be successful in what you're trying to do. So you've got to do your part and I've got to do my part. I've got to do what I'm supposed to do and you need to do what you're supposed to do when it comes to world missions. Well, exactly what is that? Well, actually, go to Romans chapter 15 for a moment. Romans chapter 15. What we find here in Romans 15 is the Apostle Paul at the end of his third missionary journey. But he's already looking at starting a new mission work. This is what I appreciate about Paul. In Romans chapter 15, he is a probably about 59 years old. He's in his late 50s. And still he's looking at a new mission work in the country of Spain. He's looking at going to the country of Spain. I appreciate a man... When he gets older in years and the sun is now, it's already past its zenith and it's on the way down. But he has not lost his vision and his his strength has not abated and his eye has not dimmed. He's still looking forward to what can be done. And that's what we ought to be doing in God's work. We ought to always be looking forward. Always be looking forward. What can be done next? Let's pray that as we get older, we don't begin to slow down in God's work. Instead we continue trying to do what we can while we can. I just turned uh, uh in the Philippines, you become a senior citizen when you're fifty-five. So when I turned sixty last year, one of our pastor wives, one of our close friends, texted me and said, Pastor, welcome to the club. No, being a senior citizen. I text back and said, I don't want to join yet. No. I was in I was in line. Last year at, at, a, at a grocery store in, in our city where we are now, and the line said, because there's all these different checkout lines, the line said, priority line for pregnant women and senior citizens. So I was standing in line, several people in front of me, and the cashier, she noticed me in the, toward the back of the line, and she said, sir, you'll be next. And of course, I'm embarrassed, I'm not going to do that, I'm going to get up in front of people like that, unless it serves my purpose. But uh, she said, you'll be next. And uh, I said, why? And then she pointed up to the sign. And then I looked up the sign and I said, but I'm not pregnant. (laughs) So I don't accept that premise yet that uh, I'm a senior citizen. So I like Paul. Here he is, nearing the age of 60, finishing up his third term. Planning to take the offerings, the love offerings, back to Jerusalem, the mission offerings. And then he's planning to go to Spain. But to get to Spain, he's going to pass through Rome. And he asks, in this letter, he tells them in Rome, I want you to do three things for me. I'm heading to a new mission field. And this is my point for you. The very three things, and we won't go into detail on these because of time. But the very three things that Paul said, As believers in Rome, you can do for me. When I head to Spain, that's the very same thing that we do for missionaries also. And by the way, I am a missionary, but we also support missionaries. And the three churches, even though I'm a missionary, I've pastored three churches. I'm pastoring the third church now. So we do the same thing. We have missions program. We support missionaries. So even though I'm supported as a missionary, I'm also a pastor that supports missionaries. So I'm not not telling you something that we do not do ourselves. But here in Romans chapter 15, I'm going to briefly summarize it. You can go back and study it yourself. Paul said this, I'm coming to Rome and then heading into Spain. And he said, I'm expecting three things from you. One thing he said was this, I'm expecting you to financially help me get to Spain. And you know what he used? He used that term again. Look in chapter 15. Look in chapter 15. Look in verse 24. Romans chapter 15, verse 24. Whensoever I take my journey into Spain, I will come to you. For I trust to see you in my journey and, here it is again, to be what? Brought on my way thitherward by you. Now that word, a thitherward, we don't use that now. We use it over there. So what he's saying is, I'm going to come by you going to Spain... And to be brought on my way thitherward. Well, and we would say now, over there. Now, if you're in the Philippines, we, because it's in the tropics and it's a tropical country and we try to conserve our energy. And, uh, so in the Philippines, instead of saying over there, we would just probably say, Am I right? Am I right? What are you saying? Because that means over there. Or we might donate We might add dihara, or just just there dihara. So what Paul is saying here is, I'm coming to Rome, but not to stay in Rome. Why? Because the gospel had already reached Rome. He said instead, I'm trusting you to help me. Because he uses that same phrase, bring me on my way, which always refers to financial physical help to continue the work. So what he's saying is this. You as believers in Rome, and there were several house churches in Rome. There was not just one large congregation. There were actually several house churches in Rome. And this letter was written to them collectively. And he said to them, I expect you to help me get over there to Spain financially. But you know what he also said in the passage? We won't take time to read. He said, I'm trusting you to pray for me also in my work in Spain pray for me so what can you do what, as a team member what is your responsibility in the work of world missions as a team financially support missions secondly pray for your missionaries some missionaries are in more difficult situations than others you hear, if you hear much about the Philippines people often mention Mindanao but let me tell you Mindanao in general is a safe island In general, I've been north, south, east, and west of Mindanao. There are some places I've never gone into in Mindanao. Some areas I've never got into. God has called me to stay alive. But because in in those areas we have two basic situations. We have Muslim extremists, and then we have the NPA, the New People's Army. Uh, which we use the the idea, well, we use the, the term no permanent address for the NPA. And uh, so there are areas where they are. So there's areas where I've never gone into those areas where they control. There's areas I've never gone into where the Muslim extremists control. There are some areas I pass through, but just during the daytime, because I don't want to have a breakdown or flat tire at night. And that happened last year. I won't go into that, but had a the radiator blew up on me going through an area I should not be there at night. And um, anyway, I was rescued by one of our deacons. Um, but in general, Mindanao is, is a safe island. Um, but still pray for us. Pray for your missionaries. Um, about four years ago, we were traveling late one night. And uh, I won't give all the details. We don't have time, but... There was fog in an area. There should not be fog. It was after midnight, traveling from one island to another, driving, going by, by ships, taking my boat, my, 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 my vehicle from one island to another island, getting off and driving across another island, another island. And uh, we didn't know why this road had all this mud and it had been bulldozed. And there was only one lane. There's nobody on the road. And then we got it farther down and there was fog where there's normally never fog in that area. And I'd never driven that road before. But a man that was with me from that island said, "Pastor, there's normally not fog here, and the only reason we could, we could, we could uh, uh, see the road is because of the white stripe painted down the middle. Normally, I drive fast, and uh, I, I'm related to Jehu. If you know who he is, he, he, he drove his chariot furiously in the Old Testament. But that night, because of the without the fog, I would have been flying. But I was forced to drive so slow because of the fog." And one of our staff members said, Pastor, if the road wasn't painted, we couldn't see where we were. And then the stripe disappeared. And I stopped. I opened my door and looked out, and there was water running across the road. We rolled down our windows, and a typhoon had recently passed through. And it sounded like a sponge. We couldn't see anything, it was all dark, but there was a a mountain beside us, and it sounded like a sponge with water dripping out of it and running across the, the highway and dropping on a pang-pang, which is a straight down on the other side. And we all were about to panic. We slowly backed up, weighed back, found there was a detour sign we did not see. There was a detour sign, we'd missed it. We had to go around the other island, and we found out several days later, just beyond the point where we stopped, the whole mountainside had come down and taken the road with it. earlier this year was it earlier this year we went to Samar or last year no it was about a year ago now went back to that same island passed over the new bridge that passes over that big canyon and looked up on the side of the hill where the old road went and I saw that road way down in the canyon where it washed away do you realize without the fog we I would not be standing here tonight and God put fog in a place where it normally is not uh, Pray for your missionaries. There's so many things. I I don't have time to look at the scriptures tonight to show you how many times Paul says, pray for us, pray for us. So as a team player, your responsibility toward missions is financially supporting missions, faithfully praying for missionaries. And then you know what he also says here in Romans chapter 15? He says this. He says, I'm looking for you to encourage me. Don't let me surprise you. Missionaries are not superhuman Christians. So many times we missionaries are put on pedestals and people talk about they sacrifice so much and they've surrendered all to God and they've done... Brother, you don't know missionaries like I know them. And uh, we put on our shoes just like you do and uh, we brush our teeth just like you do and... um, you know, in the book of James, James was talking about Elijah, the great Old Testament prophet. And James said about Elijah, that great prophet, that was taken in a whirlwind up into heaven, in the chair of fire. And uh, it said there, James was a man of like passions, like we are, meaning the same type of discouragement, the same place. Missionaries are just like you are. And uh, Paul said, I'm going to come to Rome. I'm going to go on to Spain. I expect you to help me financially. That's your responsibility. I expect you to pray for me. But I also expect to get some encouragement from you. He said, I'm going to encourage you. But I'm looking forward for mutual encouragement. So you see, you don't know. Missionaries, as they travel, do you know it's hard to do this. People think, oh, you're going on furlough. Now, furlough is when you leave your field, you come back to your sending country... You visit churches, you promote missions, you encourage missionaries. Humanly speaking, you try to recruit missionaries and you're traveling all the time and when you've got your family with you, do you, do, you, do, you, do, you, do you, let me ask you this. Do you married couples ever have disagreements? Do you ever do that? Do you ever sometimes have uh, maybe uh, uh, a little bit of a... Uh, what's the word I'm trying to think? Gubot... Um, uh, strife between you. you ever, do, are you ever that way, or are you folks in San Leandro kind of like perfect couples? Are you that way? You know, it's tough. It wants it's, it one the blessing of having a job because couples get away from each other for many hours a day. That's a blessing of having a job. Well, see, if you're traveling and you're together 24 hours a day, day after day after day, and then and, 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 and then you have your teenage daughter with you. You all know how teenagers are. I think we need no explanation. And you're all living in a van. Day after day and week after week and month after month we're on your own furlough. Hey, it's not a vacation. I've heard people say, Oh, wow, you're on furlough. Great vacation. <laughs> this is a vacation. My dictionary defines it differently. And then... You get to a church and you walk in and you've got to be Mr. Spiritual and you just argued with your wife. You understand what I mean? No, no I'm sorry. Your wife just argued with you. I don't argue with my wife. <laughs> and your wife just argued with you. Listen, missionaries need encouragement even when they're on the field. I remember we had not been there, I think, two years. And... Um, I got a letter. I was very down. I mean, we're, we're trying to learn the language, start a work, and all the things that go with that, learn a new culture, and there's still political turmoil going on, and there's instability and problems with family back here in the States. And I was down. And I went to the post office and got back on the jeepney. We didn't have a vehicle at that time. And got back on the jeepney, and it opened up the letter to read it on the jeepney. And uh, as I started to read it, I had to kind of turn sideways. And... You Filipinos understand, you know what I mean, because if something's opened in public, everyone thinks they can read it publicly. (laughs) Am I right? Am I right? (laughs) I've got a good Filipino pastor, a good friend in Minna now, and when he's preaching, he doesn't say amen, he says, am I right? So, am I right? So, I open up the letter, and the person beside me, I just have to kind of turn it to the side so I can read it. And uh, it was from an assistant pastor that I'd met during deputation. And uh, he just wrote me a letter and said, uh, just praying for you. Just want you to know we appreciate what you're doing and said some other kind things in the letter. And boy, that just that just drove the dark clouds away and the sun was shining again. And uh, now, after being there almost 33 years, honestly, I, I don't need the encouragement like I used to, but it's still nice to get. Uh, so, Responsibilities of a team. If you don't do your part, there's a breakdown. So what is your part? Well, support missionaries. Pray for them and encourage them. That's your part. But there's our part also. And this actually takes a different message. I'll have to come back a different time to preach the message about what we're supposed to do. But let me give you very briefly. We'll summarize it and then we'll be finished. To make sure... If you do what you're supposed to do, and then it's a breakdown on our part, then we're not going to see an effective missions program. My responsibility as a missionary is to summarize it. And there's a lot of confusion about missions today and who is a missionary. A missionary is an office, just like the office of the pastor. A missionary is an office. This is a man who has been called by God, gifted by God, To do what? Well, he's sent out by a church to essentially three things that is my responsibility. If I don't do these, I'm failing you. If I do not do these, then our team is not going to be successful. As hard as you work, as much as you give and pray and try to encourage, if I don't do my part, then we're not going to be successful in what we're doing. The first thing my responsibility is, in any way that we can, It's to give out, to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. To explain to people, you're separated from God, that Barry can only be removed by a blood sacrifice who is Jesus Christ. Not by your religion, your good works, your character. It cannot be removed that way, only through Jesus Christ. That's our first responsibility. The second responsibility of a missionary is this. Those who have trusted Christ and been baptized... Then you organize them into a local New Testament church. That takes so much training. And then the third responsibility there is to train a man. We use the term. Now, sometimes we use. Have you heard the word national? Have you heard that word? Not the Washington Nationals in baseball. But the word national refers to this. This is a term we use. And I don't really like it. I don't know where it came from. We've used it for generations. But when we say national, it means if I go to the Philippines then any of our Filipino Christians there are called national Christians. So a pastor in the Philippines is called a national pastor. So we use that term. If you go to Thailand, then those are national Christians, the Thai Christians there. That's the term we use for the people in that country. So my responsibility is this, to give out the gospel, establish organized churches, and then train local pastors to lead those works. So, see, my calling as a missionary is not to go preach the gospel, establish this church, and then stay there forever as a pastor. Now, sometimes a missionary will do the work of a pastor, and just like a pastor will do the work of a missionary. But my calling is preach the gospel, establish churches, and then train workers so that those churches I can step out and a local pastor can become pastor of that work. That's my work as a missionary. And when the pastor steps aside... Are you all still okay? When the pastor steps aside and the local man becomes pastor, we use a term. That means we have now nationalized the church. That means the foreign missionary has stepped out. We have nationalized the church. And that's our goal as missionaries. And sometimes it takes longer. Sometimes it happens more quickly. There are so many factors involved there that I actually have a message that I preach in churches to give them the idea of the factors that are involved there in actually establishing a church. Why? What I said at the outset, if you have a better understanding of the overall concept of missions, you'll be more effective in what you're doing. So what I've tried to do tonight is just pull the curtain back a little bit and help you see how we're to work together as a team. It's not just a one-man show of the missionary... Our focus is not just on the work, it's also got to be on you. We have role players, a successful team. You know you've got to have role players. Everybody's got to take their role. They've got to take their responsibility. Now, normally, who's the face of the franchise? Well, of course, it's the, it's the point guard or it's the, it's the guy who's the most well-known on that team. He's the face of the franchise, if you understand what I mean. Well, see, normally in missions, it's the missionary who's the face. But I'm going to tell you what, the missionary gets nothing done if everyone else does not do their job. So I've tried to encourage you not to realize how important you are in the work of missions. You have got to fulfill your purpose. If you do not fulfill your purpose, then missions will not go forward. We've got to have each of us taking care of our responsibility. And if you do your job, and then I fall down on the field then all that you're trying to do is going to be wasted. It's not going to become effective the way that we want it to be. So what are we? We're a team in this. we're fellow helpers to the truth. Are you with me? Pastor Fung, if you'll come, please. Let's bow our heads, please. Every head bowed, every eye closed, please, tonight. I know it's been an instructional message, but I wanted you to just have a better understanding of what we're trying to do. Pastor, if you'll come, please, and close tonight. Thank you.
1: Well, your heads are bowed and eyes are closed. What a, what a great, great message exhort us about the work of the ministry for the perfecting of the saints. I think there's several things this evening as we give the invitation. Number one, if you're not sure this evening that you're saved, you're not 100% sure that you're going to heaven, I invite you tonight to come to know Jesus Christ, God's Son, as your personal Savior. The Bible says, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved. The Bible says, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. We invite you tonight, if you're not 100% sure you're saved and going to heaven, that's what Brother Rice does. That's what we do here as a church and trying to help people find Christ as their Savior. So number one, I'm going to invite you tonight to know the Lord as your Savior. Number two, we just got to hear from a missionary, a veteran missionary, who's been on the field in the same area for 33 years, serving God, loving people, And doing the work of God. And maybe tonight there's some who are here that the Lord has been speaking to you about missions. You know what I would encourage you about tonight? I'm talking about surrendering and being a missionary. About men who feel a sense of the calling of God for preaching the gospel. And are praying about whether or not God would have them to go to the utmost parts of the earth and represent Jesus Christ. Maybe tonight you might just want to find your place at the altar and to pray and say, Lord, I'm not sure what you want me to do, but I'm willing to go. And then for the rest of us tonight, I think just this the idea I want to give you this evening is just a willingness just to come alongside as a team player and in prayer and staying faithful to your faith promise pledges, or if you have never participated, participating, beginning tonight, and say, I want to be a part of what God is doing here, and supporting and backing what the Heritage Baptist Church is doing in reaching mission. So number one, if you're not saved, we're going to invite you tonight to come to Christ. Number two, if the Lord's been speaking to you about having greater emphasis and involvement in the gospel, and by the way, this week, Dr. Farrell our in our revival meetings emphasize and encourage us about being a team player and so on. maybe tonight, the best time to start is tomorrow. The best time to start is getting involved Saturday in our organized so on, or during the weekly so on. And then thirdly tonight, why don't we just come find our place at the altar and just praying for the missionary and being a supporter, a team player, and helping that way. In a moment, we're going to give the invitation. You're going to hear the piano play. Don't delay. Let's find our place. And Lord, we've been encouraged tonight from what our good friend uh, Pastor uh, Bruce Rice has encouraged us about, about missions. Thank you, Lord, for this great study tonight from 3rd John on this wonderful Christian, this pastor by the name of Gaius, and how he was a fellow helper to the truth. And he brought forward the Apostle John and how Paul preached and asked the church in Rome to bring him forward to get to Spain. And Father, sometimes we can get so um, sideways and sometimes just distracted by all the minutiae around us, we forget that the emphasis is the gospel of Jesus Christ, that it might be brought to the utmost parts of the earth. Thank you that, Lord, that Mindanao is one of those uttermost parts of the earth. But thank you for a man 33 years ago who surrendered to you and said, Lord, I'm willing to go. And you've used him, Lord, and seen thriving works established, not because he's a great personality, but because he's trusted in a great God. And tonight I believe that we have a church here, people, that feel the same sense of that. I'm praying that you'd move in this invitation. Lord, you've already spoken. Help us to obey. It's our part now. It's our part, our participation in the in the service tonight. For those, Lord, who need to get saved, I pray that they come to Christ tonight and find an altar worker and commit and say, I want to trust Christ tonight. For others tonight, there may be some couples, maybe a young man that God you're working on about giving their lives to preaching the gospel. I pray that, Lord, you would just touch your hearts and find their place at the old-fashioned altar. And then for others, the rest of us tonight, Lord, we need to be team players and just being reminded at the forefront of things of praying for our missionaries, getting behind faith promise missions, and Lord doing disappointing the endeavor of the church and making missions go forward. As Lord, we give the invitation, help us to obey it now. We pray these things of you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Let's stand. Don't delay if God's spoken to you. You come tonight in one of those categories. You come tonight. Nothing else. Let's jump and pray for our missionaries tonight. Would you do that tonight? Young people, may I stretch your imagination. Singles who are just in your career, may I stretch your imagination about serving God about giving your life for the gospel? Would you envision what you could do the next 30 years? The Rice family really wasn't sure how all this was going to unfold, but they stepped out by faith, put their faith in God, didn't know anybody in Mindanao, but went and trusted God, and look what God is doing. Would you just have a vision for your life? Don't, don't, don't wait until you're 30 years from now that you make that decision. Decide tonight. The most important time in your life is the next 30 seconds. How about this evening? There might be another Bruce Rice in this room. There might be another mystery like that that God would touch on. Would you come tonight? Would you spend a moment to pray and just do your part? In that? Would you do that this evening? You're not 100% sure you're saved and going to heaven. May I invite you tonight to call upon the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior. This is a church that's concerned and interested about your eternal security, that you know for sure that heaven's your home. We invite you tonight to let one of our altar workers show you how to be saved. Would you come? Father, tonight as we're praying, I pray for mothers and fathers tonight that are praying for their children that their children's their minds and their hearts are open to where they can invest their lives, thinking, Lord, of what, Lord, we began as a church plant here at Heritage Baptist Church 19 years ago, almost 20 years ago. Lord, that we could see many more of these established in our area, northern California, throughout California. And even, Lord, beyond that, looking at the fact that, Lord, that, uh, God, you're still looking for some Bruce Rices that can be sent out from local churches like this to serve you. God, I thank you for women in our church who are help, fellow helpers to the gospel. And I pray you'd raise up more ladies that would be fellow helpers to the gospel and seeking, helping to introduce people to Christ. Raise up more men where the Lord will come out of our shell and our shyness. And, uh, Lord, we're those, those just letting our, our personalities get in the way. And instead, just let the power of Christ work in our hearts. Lord, I pray as we, we, we continue through just this great emphasis we've had the last several weeks, we've seen people brought to Christ, help that emphasis to continue. Help us to be wise in the usage of our time, the giving of tracts, and serving you. Father, you've spoken to us. You've worked greatly in our hearts. Thank you for that tonight. And, Lord, we pray for the, 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 the area of the Mindanao Island. We pray for souls to be saved. We pray for for this next church that brother Rice is trying to get established and going we pray that all their needs will be met we pray that there in that location that Lord a thriving new testament church will be established and when he sows give him strength give him enablement Lord, I pray that you help him to mount him with wings as eagles and run and not go weary and walk and not faint. I pray that you use this, dear, dear brother, in a great way. We pray for more men in that area that would be one to Christ, train, catch vision, get a calling of God in lives, and go forth and starting churches. Do the same here, we pray. Thank you, Lord, for how we've been rich and encouraged through this day in the Lord's house. Bless our people this week when they go forth from this place, that they'd be a gospel witness. Be used to Christ. And then, Lord, we want to keep on our hearts about this 1K offering that we're taking up next Sunday. Use it for your glory. We thank you for all of these things, for saving us and the goodness of God. And we pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, Brother Rice, thank you for being here tonight. What an encouraging message. Amen. And I'm just thankful for that message tonight. Now, I want you to come and see him tonight. and. Um, He'll come, especially young people. I want to encourage you to come and have him sign your Bible. Mrs. Rice has all the prayer cards. Be sure you get an updated prayer card so you can pray for the family. And maybe just spend some time this week. We have, if you look at our prayer page, we have several missionaries and works we support in the Philippines. Maybe take some time this week just to pray for the Philippine Islands and for the Lord to do some great things there. Get a chance to meet them for a few minutes tonight. I encourage you to be back here Wednesday night for our midweek service. We're praying for God to do some great things as we continue our series on Kings and Prophets. Join us Wednesday morning at 1030 for one. One of our organized uh, so many outreaches. And again, some of us go out on Friday mornings. And then next Saturday, of course, we have organized so many. I want to encourage you to be there for that as well there too. If you need anything, my wife and I will be at the front. If we can help assist you in anything, come see us there for that. Otherwise, God bless you. Have a wonderful week this week. Take some tracks. Invite some people to church. Uh, Just be encouraged and Lord. Live for Jesus. And God bless you. You're dismissed tonight.